This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. So I'm curious about your doldrums talks. You know, it's the middle, almost, of February. It's winter, but outside my window, there's a bunch of sunshine that you know has got to kind of make some people feel better. But Rum, there's a lot of people, as we work into our Wednesday edition of Kelly and Rumbia here on AMI-TV and AMI-audio, that still just say, I, I, I need to stop looking at the nice outside now and get out there. But it's been hard because oh. so many of us are like, oh, oh it's, it's rainy, it's dark, I don't want to get outside. Oh, I'll go out, but I'm going to get back inside. How are you feeling about it? One step at a time, you know, Kels? Like, we may think, yes, it's time for me to get outside. That doesn't mean we're actually going to get there. Then we think about that for the next two weeks. Uh, and then maybe third weekend we'll say, yeah, I got to go out. But those of us with dogs, I always say this. You gotta go one out. One way or another, we're <laughs> heading out there. Yeah, and I think for people who may not have that reason, or even if they do, a lot of people, it's tough because they haven't been able to do the winter things they like to do, whether it's yes, sledding, yes. skiing, yeah. all these things, because in so many areas, the stuff is just forbidden fruit right now with the lack of, of snow. So getting out and being able to get involved and get doing things, especially if you're a winter person, just ain't happening. So you kind of got both ends of the stick where people are saying, I'm coming up short here. What's up? Hello. Folks, we appreciate you being with us. Settled in wherever you are. Maybe you're even watching on an outdoor TV in your winter wonderland, if you're lucky. Let's see what we've got on the program today. On the TV talk, Greg David features the Canadian version of the Canadian show, Old Enough, following toddlers through childhood development. Gonna be fun. That's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, what are some good things to know about using or owning a credit card? Ryan Chin, financial advisor from Sun Life, is gonna join us with that conversation. And in hour two of the program, who is changing jobs and why are they doing so? Mike French has the details in our Robert Half update. We'll get into that conversation. It'll be another one of the good ones lined up for you today on the program. So the British invasion began on this day 60 years ago with the U.S. arrival of the Beatles. 3,000 screaming teenagers are at New York's Kennedy Airport. After their Pan Am flight landed at JFK International, the Fab Four attended their first American press conference and then immediately had to answer questions about their hair. Did you want to get a haircut at all? No. No, 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 no thanks. I had one yesterday. <laughs> and then... Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles! <laughs> Two days later, this was the moment that really cemented the new wave of long hair, cute boy bands in the British invasion. The Beatles appearing on The Ed Sullivan Show February 9th, 1964, in front of 73 million viewers. Danny New, ABC News, New York. So, most popular show at the time, Ed Sullivan Show, that clip of him introducing them to something I've heard all my life. It's just always there. And, mm. and, and one of those audio clips, but that, that haircut bit? I'd never heard that before, and that's a riot. I have one today. <laughs> but the, right off the bat, it's no, 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 get out, no. Like, like the most horrible thing was asked of, of the group. Um, Were they all stuff. asked? 
Yeah, right? Oh, yeah, because yeah, they were all okay. together when they came to town <laughs> at this press conference, and they, they were all, all being, that's why they're, no, hair. no, forget it. You, what kind of ridiculous idea is that? Get a haircut. Next, you'll say, get a job. Um, and when you hear that darn, you know, oh, I got one just yesterday, and, and we know that that's all that long hair. Yep. You can just picture it. But, Rami, I got thinking, with this British invasion, these guys kicking this off, the like that group, prolific group that they they were and really today still are Legacy. so revered mm. you think about has there ever been something like that again any other part of the world that's kind of invaded or blew up on the scene um i don't recall i mean music type sure something has come out like yeah. you know funk and so on or, or the, you know, Mumble you know rap. music really and so on yeah and and again you get some dance hall that has has really taken but not to the extreme where you had all these bands mm -mm. that then followed these guys and literally invaded th this part of the world i think this was basically the uh um i guess the wrecking ball like it just came crashing in and then since then everything we've seen like through the 90s and early 2000s was kind of trifle trickle effects of that right the boy bands the groups and um the the kind of like i guess group performance in general and popularized that way was based on this because this feels like the start of that era the era has changed significantly and now we're not getting as much of that right like i think after the early 2000s we're not even getting as many group kind of uh bands if you will but i'm not even well, I don't even underground isn't band. the same anymore it's right not, because everybody has access same. and I, that's what i was just gonna say the everybody has access thing has made everything popular like indie is popular but you know inertly the concept of indie is not necessarily popularized music right it's supposed to be underground but underground is popular now because of how we consume um but yeah to answer your question i think that this has kind of domino affected a whole bunch of other stuff that's come for like the two plus three plus decades afterwards but not necessarily um anything as big or as intrusive as the british invasion no Fascinating because obviously the world was a different place. Literally, yeah. music wouldn't be heard till six, eight months later, coming from the UK Gosh. over to North America. So, you know, if you went on shortwave, listen to the countdown. I remember doing this as a kid. The music that was playing in England was so 100% different than what was playing here, whether it was behind or in front of us, something that we would then get over here later on. But the other interesting Unreal. thing is the 70 plus million that are mentioned that tune in on Sunday night to that, especially when I hear that this week when we're hearing how many are expected to watch the Super Bowl, how many people watch the Grammys, mm. and still to know the Grammys are just going to squeak into the top 100 shows watched of the year at 17 mm -hmm. million viewers. So fascinating when you hear this stuff. Coming up next on the program, headlines, ladies and gentlemen. Producer Grant Hardy will step in in two minutes. He'll bring us a few things to talk about. We had a bonus edition with him yesterday, but today's regularly scheduled Wednesday edition of Headlines is up next. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Remember the repeats of the program, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't be here for Kelly Arumi at 2 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv or catch the first edition of us on AMI-audio at 4 p.m., it's 10 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv and 
on AMI-audio. We like, like to try to make things nice and simple. So check out the show, whether it's live or in repeat on the networks. Appreciate your time always, wherever you're checking us out, listening in around the world, maybe through Radio Player Canada or OO Tunes. Thanks a lot. Always glad to have you on board, chimed in over there at uh, AMI-audio. Ramya Muthan, she's at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the Home Studio of London, Ontario, at the, quote, home studio, unquote, out in Vancouver. Let's welcome in producer Grant Hardy. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramya. The unfortunate thing about being me, ladies and gentlemen, and unfortunately for you, I'll carry that darn quote studio unquote like a dog running with a bone mm. that uh, he, they can't get away from him. Welcome back, Grant. How are you, pal? Hey, folks. Happy Wednesday. I hope all is well as I come in from my beautiful home studio here in Vancouver. And I thought we'd start by talking about... I won't uh, pick up on that one. I will not say from Grant Hardy <laughs> from his beautiful home. So good try. <laughs> okay. All right. It's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. Um, hey, listen, I thought we'd start by talking about AI deepfakes because I saw a really interesting uh, yes. article that was uh, talking about fake content. So apparently a lot of Canadian celebrities, everyone from TV chef uh, Mary Berg, crooner Michael Bublé, comedian Rick Mercer, and hockey megastar Sidney Crosby, uh, They've had content pop up where apparently they're either, you know, let's say getting arrested or they're revealing their financial secrets to success until the Bank of Canada tried to stop them. Well, of course, none of those things are actually true, but they are created by AI. So they pop up on social media. They link you to a source that apparently looks somewhat legit uh, and people are getting fooled. Uh, add that to the situation with deep fake photos for example uh there were some uh explicit photos using taylor swift's uh likeness that came out uh, about a week ago generated by ai and the fact that as the article points out there really is no way just by the content alone to detect these deep fakes in case if you in fact if you develop such content it would literally just tell the scammers how to avoid deep fake detection uh and it creates a very interesting situation also creates an unlevel playing field for example for a random woman who has deep fakes images of her leaked on social media i don't mean a random woman but a member of the public a non-celebrity uh oftentimes they're finding that the police don't care on the other hand, for somebody like Taylor Swift, uh, the X apparently actually blocked searches for the name Taylor Swift while they were taking down at least some of that content. Also, experts are talking about the laws being difficult to catch up. And is it even worth pursuing this kind of thing legally in Canada? Because we have not apparently followed the U.S. on legislation for deepfakes. There are a few tools, mostly civil laws uh, related to basically misappropriation of your personality or likeness that can be used, but it's very difficult. Curious mm -hmm. about your thoughts on this. I, a lot of people, we don't really know what effect AI will have, mm. but on one end, some people see it as a gift 
literally. On the other hand, some people see it as, you know, bringing on the apocalypse or sort of 1984 style. I'm a little more in that camp just Mm. because I'm depressed about thinking of a world where we don't know what's real or what's not. I think people kind of struggle with media literacy as it is and determining what content is real, what content is fake. We already deal with a lot of interference in our elections and stuff like that. And I'm just finding it really difficult to accept that people are actually using AI to communicate everywhere from dating sites to Facebook groups to basically do their writing. I have to kind of just accept this the way of the world. And I'm really, really struggling with that. Plus all the deep fake images and sound. And, you know, you can really create legit looking sources. Curious mm. if you guys have any thoughts. I, I mean, I, yeah, always. Go on. I, I kind of just really, as a person more observes from what I hear, just from, from really this side, I, I don't know what I've witnessed personally online that would be a deep fake unless, you know, I heard about it. No, oh, I'm trying to search that out. It's one of the things that, Yes, we can do so much, and because we've gotten so good and it can be so real, it it takes it in that realm of what happened to the days of comedy where people mimicked, imitated people, posted things they were doing as as an imitation of someone. Because this is so far and you can become where you are totally deceiving people. It's one thing for somebody to get up there, a comic, and imitate somebody. And, you know, you do it on TV, you do it so... And sometimes you say, oh, my God, is that really? Oh, no. And maybe there's a definite thing that says, oh, no, that's not. That's so-and-so who's really good at imitating that celebrity, that political figure. You don't buy into it. it. There's almost that little watermark that says, you know, imitation, fake, whatever, because it's not meant. It's meant as, as for humor. So I don't really know what goes on in that aspect. I do know that with deep fakes, the intention is to totally fool, totally mislead people in a lot of cases. But when you started hearing about it originally, you thought, wow, comics could have so much fun with it, or creators could really do some funny things with it before the notorious stuff run. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, it's a tool, uh, and you can use that tool for it, particularly talking about deep fakes and such here, okay, this kind of avenue. I feel like you can use this um, tool for good and for evil. So it's really not about the tool, I guess, unless we're talking about how quickly it's being used, becoming used, how real it's getting, where we cannot identify uh, the, the deep fakes as being deep fakes anymore. It's just so good, the quality of the tool. But and it's growing so fast. So that part of it, okay, we'll put aside. But the other part of it is just the morality. You know, the, the question is of our ethics and moral compass, and we can easily and so quickly, like in real time, be entertained. You know, as soon as there's an actual story uh, that comes out, there's the deep fake and the memes and the, the entertainment side of it. And that's not new. Like, we're not new to this. It's just that now we're like, wow, this is so real. I cannot tell if it's uh, a deep fake or not. But... The, the entertainment side of it is kind of a known. It's a given. I think the the hard part is the to digest is um, you know how much do we have to be at arm's length with all the content now? Kind of like a scam where we're saying, mm-hmm. okay, everything I'm finding on the internet, I cannot trust. How do we get to that point where we can trust the information that we're getting and say, this is AI, this is not, or this yeah, is this real is news, credible. this is fake. Yeah, like yeah, we, we right, can't right. just trust the sources anymore. There is no such thing. Like everything can be real or can be fake. It's that yeah, confusing. Well, exactly. And, and, and I know. one of the worst things, Grant, is simply that people can't buy in, as Rum's saying, but 
there are people who still get caught. So even if they're taking things down, blocking it on X, yeah, yeah, but they're still, when you run these scams, the scammers know we may only get one person, one senior out of 50 of them that falls for this, but that's enough for it to be worthwhile for us. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. Oh. And that's, that's where you just got to figure it out. Same with the deep fakes. You know, maybe most people say, oh, that's ridiculous. That person wouldn't be saying, ha, ha, That's right. Some of it foolish. is blatantly obvious. Well, Others are not. Yeah, exactly. Right. And in the, in the case of AI, it's, hey, if you can only get one person, one senior, we still have traditionally had to call or contact a bunch of seniors and take the time to run the scam but now with ai it can pretty much just continue to do it on itself you know as long as you have those resources so yeah really scary stuff i know i always uh i always just felt stupid communicating with somebody and then finding out that i'm talking to a a bot because it takes sort of a while to register it but you can you can eventually figure it out yeah, scary stuff. Uh, so we're talking next uh, little uh, change here from AI to medicine. Oh, maybe AI is going to help more with medicine <laughs> in the future. But today we're talking about uh, how to find a family doctor because over a million people in BC don't have one currently and where you can go if you don't have a family doctor. So um, the, uh, they have some tips for finding a family doctor, which they do say is better if you can. And I'll emphasize if you have a doctor you trust who isn't, you know, let's say dealing with ableism or other issues like that. Uh, registering for a family doctor or nurse practitioner uh, at the registry, Health Connect registry, checking with your local division of family practice, visit uh, the Pathways Medical Care Directory, or just ask family and friends who are accepting new patients, check with your neighborhood clinics to see if they have wait lists. If you still don't have a family doctor, then there are a couple of options. There is the uh, nurse line at 811, at least in British Columbia, which is a little bit better, at least than Dr. Google, although they are still quite limited in terms of what they can talk uh, talk to you about. Uh, clinics now are getting to the point where you can't really walk in. You, you do have to make an appointment in advance. There also are these things called urgent care centers, which are not like emergency rooms, but they are there to treat patients who need to be treated within less than 24 hours. And if all else fails, you can expect a long wait at the emergency room where everybody is triaged. So if you go in there for a minor uh, injury and are waiting for treatment, you can expect to wait a very long time. Oh, and last but not least, pharmacists. Apparently, pharmacists are being given more power to prescribe uh, medication for minor ailments. So that is another option that you can consider. Any tips on navigating the healthcare system from either of you? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Just throw up our hands and, you know. Yeah, just deal. Like, it's so tough, Grant, because um, and for years, I can attest to not having had a regular family physician, just taking the... the, um, resources where I can. When I was in school, there was always someone on site, right? Like a walk-in. And then when I left school, I was like, what do I do now? Okay, just a regular kind of neighborhood walk-in. And the thing is, like, you have to know what 
is available to you. And I think that's the biggest tip I can honestly offer is to just look around, search, Google. You don't, sometimes you're not even aware of what is actually offered around you. Um, even clinics that function as family physicians where you, you you need to be like an actual patient of the doctor sometimes have hours where they are walking and will take anybody um, who needs anything. So Exactly. That's absolutely a valid point. Mm -hmm. Also, it, it just wanted to mention it's interesting how these things always sort of affect the marginalized communities the most, Obviously, right? Because if yeah. you think about people, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people can, you know, be like, you know, I found a doctor that's uh, pretty good drive away and it's kind of inconvenient, but I trust them. At least I can sort of get there when get I have there. to. Not, not everybody has that mm -hmm. option. Kelly, any tips on what's worked for you or not worked for you in terms of medical? navigating the healthcare system. I've always been lucky. I've always had a doctor. Even when I worked in Toronto and London, uh, I was able to find, but it's a so, such a different animal to search one out now and, and to do that. But there were those times because doctors will only do so much, spend so much time with you, right. uh, talk about only so many subjects that you, you scratch your head and say, was I better just making friends and getting to be known at my neighborhood clinic? Yeah. And you do wonder about that or or going to the hospital. How quick am I going to get service, get the problem solved until they get to the point where they say, OK, well, you can do follow up with your doctor. Oh, yeah, okay. I don't have one. Yeah. Right and why? And we there are so many people in this country that don't have governments see it as an epidemic. Help out. How? Don't know when the other things are more attractive, whether it's the private industry or the United States to go to as as a doctor. So. Grant, wonderful stuff as usual. Great stuff to discuss and put out on the table today. Thanks, folks. Grant Hardy, he joins us for headlines. We do this on Mondays, Wednesdays, sometimes on Tuesdays, Fridays, Thursdays, whenever we might need a whole field. We call upon Grant, and he joins us. Uh, folks, we've got a lot of program ahead. Thanks for being with us and settling in. Up next, during our TV talk today, Greg David features the Canadian version of the Japanese show, old enough following toddlers through childhood development that's ahead in two minutes stick around and learn something new kelly and ramya return with more in a moment Some fantastic programming for you over on YouTube, but are originating from AMI-audio, folks. Catch the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This week, emergency preparedness for people with disabilities with Caitlin Lowe joining Joita. She's from Dalhousie University. That's the Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern. 11 a.m. Pacific time on AMI-audio. And once again, as I mentioned, available via your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Let's get into our bi-weekly TV chat. There's a show we really want to get into because it makes us very curious. Uh, let's bring on Greg David. I'm Greg David, and I love TV. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where we talk about the biggest hits, misses, and trends in television and entertainment. Greg. 
Greg, this is going to be so interesting um, because a while back, Greg, or not Greg, Grant, Grant <laughs> Hardy, who was just here, uh, talked to us about risky play, okay? There's a lot of this stuff going on now with, um, you know, governments, different parts of the country talking about risky play. Do we have it? Do kids know what it is anymore? You know, are we playing too safely? And that was January 29th, you remembered. And so um, based on this, we have a conversation coming up around a TV announcement that's sort of tied to the topic. It was made late last week, and it's the production announcement of the Canadian spinoff of the TV show called Old Enough. It's going to uh, debut in September on TVO. Yep. So tell us more about Old Enough and what exactly it's about, because it is kind of strange. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about risky play for kids and, you know, uh, you know, of course, bubble parenting is, has been a big, you know, topic of discussion about the, you know, this is that what generation. they call it now? Is it bubble kids, helicopter parents, helicopter whatever? Yeah, helicopter yeah. is what yeah. Rum and I remember, right? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're yeah. old enough, Rum. Okay, I yeah. didn't realize bubble. Wow. Uh, Carry my on. parents <laughs> yeah, my parents ignored me when I was a child. We can talk about that another time. But this show, it's called Old Enough and it's an unscripted series, so documentary series that follows toddlers as they independently run errands for the first time. <laughs> I need to stress it. They are on their own when they run these errands. So no mother, no father, no babysitter, no big big sister or big brother taking them to the store or whatever these errands are. They are doing it all by themselves. Oh, and while each episode focuses on the child's tasks, the whole idea about this is that it's also going to explore each parent's approach to raising their kids. So it's kind of a twofold thing. But the part I wanted to talk to you most importantly about was the fact that kids are going to be – we're going to get into it a little bit more they're not wandering around on their own but they certainly are you know pushing the boundaries with regard to what they're comfortable doing as a toddler mm. it'd be interesting too to see which ones actually you know take this to so and so you have to do and and which kids kind of get in which just kind of circle around and leave it on the floor and pick up something else um greg obviously we better get this out of the way first yeah. what kind of safety measures are put in place for this yeah, great question. And of course, there are going to be safety measures in place uh, on each one of these adventures. The kids are always under the watchful eye of the show's safety team, making sure you know, that they're safe. It's kind of like a hidden camera situation where they're just posing as, you know, just general members of the public. And it's also hidden camera with the camera work as well. The cameras are small enough that they can follow these kids and be unobtrusive so that the kids don't realize that there's actually somebody filming them. Okay. I mean, the, the show would get so much hate if they didn't follow all the protocols. Yeah. But reflection on real life and some of this stuff actually going on. Um, we've already mentioned that this is a spinoff. It's been on the air old enough in Japan since 1988. So how did it yeah. all come about? Yeah, so Old Enough first started out as a segment on a television program uh, called The Chase that aired on NTV um, out of Japan. And that's actually the same network that did the original, uh, uh, that uh, Top Chef showdown show. Uh, anyway, it aired from April 1988 to March 1994. And uh, due to the popularity, they made a few several hour-long specials called Mickey's First Errand. It was named after a Japanese children's book of the same name. And most of the children in the Japanese version of the show who are performing these errands are between the ages of three and six years oh, old. Oh, my gosh. But there were cases where kids as young as one or two year old, years old have also participated in the show. Okay. 
Uh, what age could you feel, Greg, or do you feel you could have been told to run out and, and deliver something? Or if someone said, Greg, mom says, take I'm, this to your father. He's down I the mean, road visiting the so-and-sos. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be really interesting, and I want to get your answers to this as well. But, I mean, I was – so when I was growing up in Brantford, I almost literally lived across the street from the elementary school that I went to. Uh -huh. So when I went to kindergarten, after the first couple of times of being walked across the street by my parents, I was doing it by myself. So I was I was younger than the kids in kindergarten, so I was five years old at that time. But I cannot imagine and I cannot remember ever being allowed to, say, walk to the corner store which was probably about a 10 minute walk uh, you know under my little legs at that time there would have been no way that my parents would have let me watch the convenience store um at at any younger than five and i probably didn't even do it at the age of five so that's where i'm a little freaked out about the show and again we've already talked about it there is going to be there's safety measures in place they wouldn't be making this television show otherwise but i feel a little bit uncomfortable if i was a parent of a little kid I'm not sure whether I would allow them to do this. So, Ramya, what do you think about this? I mean, I, I how comfortable would you be? Uh, I think that this is stretching it a lot for me. Like, yeah. I am definitely uncomfortable with what I think we're going to learn about what these kids are doing and what kind of errands they're running. Just, I, I keep thinking, three to six years old, that is insane. But um, yeah. to be fair, like, we were much more leash-free than you, Greg. We would go to the, my brother and I, I'd be a seven, eight, and he was five six and we'd go yeah. to the corner store by ourselves and that's i'd say like 500 meters 800 meters away like reasonable uh walk away like you couldn't keep mm -hmm. an eye on us and mm -hmm. we didn't run errands but we went to go get our own candy we were given the cash okay sometimes we just took the cash but um <laughs> yeah. and made like we ran an errand yeah, and already yeah, ate yeah, the candy yeah. like uh, yeah. sorry we forgot your milk at the store but like i i'm wondering how much of a cultural difference there is Obviously, there is, but you yeah. know how much of it it plays into how normal or uncomfortable we are, even just around this topic. Hmm. Yeah, Kelly, what about what about you? Like, what's your kind of knee jerk reaction if you were a parent, kind of reflecting on your own childhood? How how are you reacting to this? I, I remember my brother getting told once, you know, when they couldn't be there for me, and I had to wander home on my own. But I re also recall from kindergarten wandering home with my friends and yeah, Bye, friends, see you tomorrow. Sure. and then finding my way to the building myself. I remember being mm -hmm. sent to the store, which was not a long ways away, but there were still, you know, people out front cars uh, in, you yeah. know, in the, uh, the park, but being taught how to navigate that at five years old. However, it, there was so much later on that you hear about people and harm and creepy people doing nasty things. And I think that has really changed what I was told, go out and do then. That's like the era of yeah. leaving your house unlocked, right? Yeah. Like, like yeah. my parents all left it unlocked all the time, That's right? That's the thing. And, it's and timing now, are... too. Like, how in yeah, 2024 and... would we allow our kids to do any of this stuff? Mm -mm. That's right. Now, Greg, maybe as you explain how one of these episodes rolls out and we figure out what these kids are asked to do. I mean, I would have not been encouraged to go anywhere near traffic, cross streets well, that were busy, but maybe yeah. some of the quiet crescents, uh, houses were on, uh, follow it around or, or cross it, uh, you know, very carefully. Some of those things I think I was able to do at five, six years old, but my parents actively taught those things. 
Yeah, so I don't want to assume anything about where they're filming this. Now, TV Ontario is based out of Toronto, um, so I want to say that it's probably filmed somewhere in Ontario, not necessarily in downtown Toronto. But the way that each episode rolls out, at least this is for the Japanese version, and I'm assuming it's going to be very similar because this is a spin-off and it's a franchise. In each episode, it, it, it you're introduced to a parent who is verbally telling their children what they want, and then the children go off and they do that task. Now, of course, they may be waylaid along the way, you know, see something shiny on the ground, see mm -hmm. a bug, a puppy, something like that, you know, obviously. Um, and, and the cameras are going to document that. Now, along for the ride, there's going to be a narrator. In the Japanese version, there was a narrator. And then in the Canadian version, there's going to be one as well. And the narrator is going to be played by Colin Mockery. Uh, well-known Canadian comedian, probably best known for his improv work on on Whose Line Is It Anyway for a mm -hmm. long, long time. Uh, and so, yeah, that's that's how it's going to roll out for the viewer um, with the narrator, you know, saying what's happening and and uh, and the camera's just capturing the kids doing it. And also um, in the Japanese version, which we're going to talk about in an episode of that in a second, the camera would cut back to the parents as well as they, you know, were rightfully worrying what's taking them so long. I hope they're okay. I hope they get, you know, they, oh, they perform. On the task well. Wringing yeah. their hands out, and just before the handcuffs are put <laughs> not on to them. Roll my eyes here. Well, and that's uh, the handcuffs getting put on them and taken away because the, the kids themselves don't. There's not the whole see, smile for the camera. They are honestly, as far as they're concerned, being sent yep. out on a legitimate errand by mom and dad or mom or dad. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm thinking the idea of this show is to encourage the independence um, at a young age, perhaps challenge the beliefs that we may have about what toddlers can and can't do, question mark. Um, mm -hmm. But are you concerned for the kids' safety? I mean, the fact that the production company has said that there's going to be safety measures, I, I trust them on that. I think what it is for me is... Uh, I think we might be a surprise, you know, as much as the three of us are talking about how freaked out we would be if it was if, our, if it was our child or at the thought of it. I think, you know, when you think about it, kids are pretty resilient and they're pretty smart and they're very surprising as well. And uh, like I said, we're going to talk about an episode of the Japanese version in a second. But I was pleasantly surprised by what happened. I think that, uh, you know, the the elevator pitch idea is very scary, but I think that the reality is that people are going to be pleasantly surprised and maybe talk about, uh, you know, lead to discussions about maybe we don't need to be hovering around our kids as, as much as we do. Um, maybe they're going to be okay. Maybe the threats yeah. have moved on to different places, you know, like it used to be, don't talk to strangers, don't do this, don't do that, like very physical uh, reality stuff. And now it's like, okay, maybe the, th the way that we think about what could be harmful for our kids is elsewhere now, the, the priority. That's what I believe. I believe mm. it changes every 15 years, 20 years, because, yep. you know, yep. as a person who's watched a lot of them, listened to a lot of old stuff, what were kids allowed to do in the 1940s? It used to be allowed scary, to like, 60s, honestly. Allowed to do, yeah. you know, in the 90s. Greg, well, let's get into the fact that the first two seasons are available to stream on Netflix. Have you watched any? And if so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, I and I do have to preface this and say that if you do go and check it out on Netflix, unfortunately, there is no audio description. Hopefully, oh. the Canadian version will have that. So, yes, boo, absolutely. Uh, but episodes run anywhere from seven minutes to about 10 minutes each. And I watched the first episode where a little boy named Ken was asked by his mother to go to the store to buy some bean sprouts, 
noodles and some bread. And Ken was is five years old, and uh, he's given the money, and the store and bakery that he needs to go to is 300 meters from his house. And this is where my blood pressure went up. He had to go across two crosswalks, and they were busy crosswalks with lots of traffic and lots of people. He starts by running out of the house. He's so excited to be going off on his own, and he, you know, he, but he does look both ways before he crosses the street. He does use the crosswalks and walks along with other people. Um, he does have to come back a couple of times and check with his mom because he's, you know, he forgets um, exactly what it is that he's supposed to be getting. Uh, so she does remind him um, and she's worried about why he's taking so long in one of the stores. Um, but in the end, you know, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler alert, but but Ken pulls it off and, and she's very, very happy uh, and showers him with kisses and hugs. But yeah, he manages to do it. And uh, it only takes, you know, I don't know how long it took him in real time, but in the seven minute segment, it definitely had a very happy ending i'm very curious about just the spectrum of people's reactions to this you know because like the japanese version but obviously the canadian one as well because um for some people this might be more normal than we realize and for others this is so glorified right this idea of sending a young kid on their own to run an errand and again i bring the, the cultural or just like the global's perspective on this and um i'm i'm super curious about it any last words greg on your I guess thoughts on the encouragement of this for um, child development psychology. I think it'll, yeah, I think it's going to. Uh, there will be a lot of talking about this. I'm excited when the Canadian version comes out. I, I think that I want to revisit it with the two of you. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I think when it comes right down to it, I think people are going to be surprised at how resilient and independent their their kids really are, and and that maybe we should be giving them a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. Or super or. upset that people are doing this to their kids. Or super upset. <laughs> I think that's going to be, be it, which, which all translates to ratings. Yeah. Ah, yeah. You know people are going to be outraged without even seeing a second of yeah. it. Yeah. Some people are like, you got to make a TV show out of this. We, yeah. we were running errands since we were two years old. Awesome, Greg. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Some Greg people David. are saying my parents wouldn't trust me now to run an errand for them. I know. Crosswalk. <laughs> what crosswalk? Greg David is our communications um, communication specialist at AMI, and he also joins us every other week for TV Talk. On the other side of the break, owners of a three-legged cat have already gone ahead and make pet-friendly cocktails. Beth Deer tells us more on The Buzz next. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Always having a good time on the program, folks. Well, anyway, we are. We hope you are, too, wherever you're checking us out around Canada on AMI-tv, around the world on AMI-audio. Kelly McDonald here, home studio, London, Ontario. Ramya Muthan is on main campus at the studio in Toronto, and we'd like to welcome in, as we call this segment, The Buzz, Beth Deer, who's been filling in for Bill Shackleton in his absence. And Beth brings a bunch of things for us to talk about. Beth, good day. Welcome back. Nice to have you with us. And where do you want to start? Um, well, you teased it, Kels. I think we need to talk about the three-legged cat that's having his own cocktails. <laughs> a couple um, named Jess and John own their own alcohol infusion kit company known as aged and infused it's a like instagram page that they like run their it's like dazed through. and confused right yes, okay yeah, yeah, that's cute. Right? That is. yeah um so i guess the one night they were having cocktails um and they'd like looked over at their cat 
who was just sat there and they were like, this isn't fair. We uh, need to make him his own cocktails. Um, so Mr. Biscuit is the cat's name. And I guess one of their cocktails that they actually sell is called Mr. Biscuit. So they decided to create a cat-friendly cocktail recipe. One of their popular recipes is called Mr. Biscuit. Um, it's called a tuna teeny. <laughs> Ah, yes. Tunatini. Is, uh, Gross. Tunatini. Not for the cat. It does, it does sound disgusting, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> this simple <laughs> recipe only requires two ingredients, a generous squeeze of tuna and salmon paste out of, like, uh, one of those, like, squeezy yogurt tubes, uh-huh. which is just gross. Anyway, they mix it up with a bit of water, shake it about a bit, and that's that's that. They have their meow tail. Wow. Meow tail? Yeah, that's what they call it. I heard heard it on the radio and a bunch of people were, um, you know, writing in with different cocktail names. So I wanted to share some of those quickly. And if either of you two can come up with your own, I will be very, very impressed. The Long Island Mice Tea. This, I think, was my favorite out of all of them. The Meow Garita. Oh, that's cute. Like that. Yeah. Poor Star Martini and Moscow Meow. What was the third one? What Martini? Poor Star. Oh, Paul. Okay. Okay. That's cute. I like, uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Can't get on board. Um, I like the Moscow Meow. That's cute. They're all cute, but I'm terrible with puns. Uh, and Kelly's not here. I can't believe he left during the animal conversation. Unreal. Hey, well, I, are we really that surprised though, Ram? I'm not. No, obviously not. Yeah, not, apparently not, they're trying to get him back on. We'll see. Can you tell him to text but, his puns, please? Okay, yeah. Yes, we need those. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was really cute that the cat had three legs. I think it resonated with me a little bit because my, like, childhood cat had three legs. Oh, okay. So I just really felt like Mr. Biscuit, like, needed his, needed his uh, time to shine. Yeah, you know, originally, without knowing any context to the story at all, uh, I thought that they were trying to essentially squeeze in meds for the cat. Like, the, you know how we could think of creative ways to get yeah. pills into our furry friends? Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, a cocktail. That sounds really, you know, doable for the that cat to take his medication. genius. Yeah. Oh, did yeah, I just like, put that I- out there? Let's well, that's it yeah i i didn't that did not cross my mind at all i think that's a great idea like especially with uh this past year we've had two sick animals and it's an absolute nightmare to try and get them all of their pills and potions and all that stuff at once like we'll yeah squeeze maybe into their um meow tail yeah their meow tails or for dogs, I don't know. I'm, I'm so bad at this. Barktails? Yeah, terrible. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I guess Barktails is close to Mocktails. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we got to stop anyway, there before let's I continue. Move on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. So a Regina food bank shows off new downtown facility. I thought this article was really cool, really innovative. So... A space in downtown Regina is about to be Canada's first at-scale food choice model food bank. Thanks to a $1 million investment, I'm not sure who this investment came from, uh, this community food hub is different in the sense that it's operating similarly to a grocery store. For registered food bank users at a scheduled time, 
um, meaning that those accessing the food bank have more choices in the food that they bring home. Choice is empowerment and it provides a lot more dignity than somebody just going and getting a box of food. Um, and that's what one of the people running this new food bank says. And I could not agree more. Um, a family friend of ours used to run a food bank here in Edmonton and my husband and I would go and help out every once in a while and like people had their designated time slots we just had random boxes of food that all had kind of numbers on them they'd come up give us our ticket we'd find the box that correlated with that and we'd just send them off and quite honestly you know some boxes would have barely anything barely any food mainly like household items maybe toilet paper maybe you know toothpaste mm-hmm. um and it i don't know like it i like it, just, it. it felt it felt really it felt really sad when we were doing it that way i actually remember the one time a guy came in and he um he told me that he was autistic and like was nervous and i was like it's all good like we're gonna find you your box anyway we couldn't find his box oh. but where his box was meant to be, because there were stickers on the table, where his box was meant to be was next to a box that was really full and there were these two ladies there and they were like, it's okay, like we'll share our box with you. And it was such a sweet moment. But I just think to give people the choice and so that people can actually grab things that they need rather than, you know, kind of get what you get. This is what you get. Yeah, Yeah. this is what you get. Yeah, like... I just think like shopping. What a, what a fantastic idea! Yeah, well, exactly. and less waste, right? Like, why give somebody something? They get home, open the box like it's a mystery, and say, "Oh, well, uh, half of this really, my family will yeah, eat." Yeah, you know, and I have to find somebody else that'll take it who may not have a bit of an attitude of, "Oh, what's this? This is stuff that I got from the you know food bank. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to eat." Yeah, oh. we talked about the sensitivity for cuisine and what people would mm-hmm. eat at home and what people know how to cook and don't know how to cook, you know? like, And it's not even pickiness. It's genuinely just, you know, this is what I, I, I know how to deal with, right? And these are things that you could take off people's stress and anxiety levels mm-hmm. when you provide it for them, when you anticipate people's needs better. And I think that um, there was a story that I read a long time ago, I have no reference to it at all, where basically uh, similar to the Salvation Army or like thrift stores, right, thrift yeah. shops, people could mm-hmm. come in and shop like shop, these are all donated clothes and and such and such, but people in this small community could go to this person's um, house or like the facility she had opened up, and it was kind of like a garage sale, but you could really shop, and then at the end of it, you you don't pay, you just walk out with your clothes. But everything is nicely organized, very neat, um, aesthetically pleasing. You could try on things. There was like a change room and et cetera, et cetera, where people don't have to face that stigma of. I'm wearing donated clothes. This is secondhand yeah. material, right? Like you just take or, that or away be happy from to them. take what you can get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like be grateful. You know, you're not navigating yeah. any of that stuff. You can be pleased with what you end up with, and I think that that's precious for people and it fits in this situation. Right. Yeah, possibly, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. She would put like Absolutely. size labels and all that, right? And I think that this just really like. No, in my opinion, at least, like, no one chooses to be in a financial position where, you know, they cannot afford food and they have to go and, like we've been saying, get what you're given. And I think there's so many people in the general public that are very much like, oh, well, like, they have to have, like, got themselves there somehow or, like, Mm. have that kind of attitude towards it. But, like, 
when you really think about it and break it down, like how much courage it takes for someone to actually ask for help yeah. and actually go out there and, you know, walk into somewhere and say, yeah, like I don't have anything. So I need to take whatever food you can give me like that. That sucks. And that is so so hard on people's mental health and confidence and just so many things so i think having something like this like you said with the clothes brand like giving people just choice and, and dignity giving them the and well, the it makes you feel so good dressed up the way mm-hmm. you envision yourself and having that ability i'm not saying anyone living out of their means or anything like that i don't care if you have all the choice of going into a store and buying everything you want but don't you want to be pleased proud feel comfortable and not like you're pulling up your pants all the time because you had to take something three times your size or you just want to feel respected respectable absolutely like when we were volunteering at this food bank a few years ago um a lady came in with a toddler and she she came over to me i was the only girl working there and she was like listen i have got my period i have no i don't have tampons i don't have pads Mm. like is there any is there something in any of these boxes that I can take um that like people haven't you know that isn't necessarily taking away from someone else like is there any extra anywhere and there wasn't there was one box of tampons in one box and literally as we went to go and take it like the lady whose box it was came in and picked up her box and left so I went into my bag and thankfully I had like five tampons and like one pad in there I was like here like take this like I know it's not much but like at least it's something but like Mm -hmm. the courage it takes to like actually yeah to ask and just be like I I don't have anything like oh god I just I really really felt for her and people are so vulnerable they're so vulnerable and they have to put aside we all do and even want to say they we all Mm -hmm. like and it could change overnight right our situations and and lives um where we have to put aside our pride our ego what we're used to and and ask for that help as you said beth and it's super difficult super difficult absolutely um well we can really really Quickly, I will tell you about my last article. Um, So an Airbnb host is pretty upset because they had someone uh, book a stay for 27 nights. These people showed up with all their furniture, a moving van, movers to help move all their stuff in. They had over 50 boxes of stuff. Um, They had their fridge. They had a freezer. Like, they had everything. And the host was like, hey, well you can't do this, like, you're not moving into my house. Uh And I guess Airbnb was like, we have no rules about how much stuff people are allowed to bring with them. And it caused a bit of a debate online because some people were very much like, oh, like, they're allowed to bring whatever they want. Other people were like, that's so weird. Like, why didn't they give the host a heads up? And does this mean that, like, they can eventually, like, get like squatters rights kind of Uh, dealio how long Um, was the stay supposed to be 27 nights so my kind of thought was maybe maybe these people are just like in between houses and need like just need need a solution for those like 27 days my other thought is i completely like i've stayed at lots of airbnbs and 
you know, like if there's anything weird about you going, you always give them a heads up. So yeah, uh, that's a thing. It's a, it's a rate me rate you situation on Airbnb, like the host Mm -hmm. and the uh, consumers, right? So why would you compromise the communication that way? Because now you're going to get probably blocked off or compromised on your Airbnb moving forward. (laughs) And the second thing is, you know how every rule, (laughs) every rule is made for a reason. There's going to be a rule made Mm -hmm. and it's going to be for this reason. Yep. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Beth, good work. Awesome stuff, Beth. Chat some more, guys. Thanks. Beth joins us Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We do the segment called The Buzz. She brings a few things for us to talk about. Never know exactly where she's going to go, but some great topics today. Coming up in the next hour of our program, who's changing jobs out there? And why are they doing so? Mike French, he's here with the details in our Robert Half update. And what are some good things to know about using a credit card? Ryan Chin will dive into this conversation during our finance chat. But up up next, Bundy Weekend Fest, Winter Weekend Winterfest, excuse me, is a week-long event where people can celebrate and embrace winter. New Brunswick community reporter Marisa Hersey Meisner will have all the details on this after the break. Join us for hour two. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Second hour of Kelly and Ramya. We appreciate you being here. So... We're hanging out with you on your Wednesday, helping you get through the day, whether you consider it a yay halfway through the week or a just such a slow day. Well, we'll liven things up for you. Always have some great conversations, uh, and we welcome you to them every day. And we have a lot of fun, and we're quite privileged to be here and uh, appreciate you being alongside of us. As mentioned, Kelly McDonald, the home studio, London, Ontario. Ramya Muthan in the studio in Toronto. We're going to New Brunswick for the next few minutes, checking in with our friend Marisa Hersey-Meisner from over that part of Canada, because this is our community report. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we kick off the second hour with a community report. How's it going where you are, Marisa? Well, it's fabulous, and I am just thankful that I'm in New Brunswick Mm. Um, and not in Nova Scotia. Yeah, yes. uh, I would be still digging out from the all the snow it's and rough. And I I know um, if I was in Nova Scotia, I wouldn't want to even be talking or embracing winter at all for my next topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's hard, you know. Like here in parts of Ontario, we're talking about. Uh, the weather not being good enough, like we'd started the show off with that conversation where people can't even do winter activities. And then another side is winter is so extreme that people are just can barely withstand uh, the conditions. And they probably can't do many winter activities in it. Well, okay, maybe snowshoe. Mm, too stuck. Maybe um, snowshoe. Maybe, yeah, to get out. All right, so tell us about the Fundy Winterfest 2024. Well, I, I know that there's not a lot of snow here in New Brunswick or this part of New Brunswick, uh, but um, the Fundy Winter Winterfest um, this year is a six-week, actually, um, event, a uh, long event, and basically it's going to be all about celebration and embracing winter and, and being active within um within uh, the community and participating in winter sports. 
And um, it's all about uh, trying to be active during this this time and embracing culture and entertaining and all and everything. Now, uh, one of the uh, events that I wanted to bring forward um, this year is the para ice hockey event. And actually, it's uh, it's uh, one. There's one event this evening actually between six thirty and eight thirty, I believe it is um in uh on the Rossi common and um all you need to do is if you're interested in um trying out para hockey um all you need to do is bring a helmet and some gloves and they will provide the sledges and the sticks and and the other equipment uh, that you need para um sport uh new brunswick is going to be there and so it's going to be a great event. And then if you really like it and enjoy it, uh, there is um, another night that you can try and participate and that's on March 8th. So, and that would be at the Qplex. So that's uh, one of the events that's uh, taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, that's some great then, exposure. Yeah, and I was gonna say like it, this, there's six communities, right? First of all, it's a six-week event. That's pretty awesome to, to embrace winter in these ways and kind of make it a diverse, uh, diverse, I guess, part of the festival. Um, does it really draw in a lot of tourists? I'm assuming yes. Yeah, um, I do believe that there's people from uh, Sussex and other parts of New Brunswick that comes down and participates in it. And, um, and because there's so many things like, uh, Kelly had mentioned, uh, snowshoeing, Mm -hmm. that's one of the events, uh, there's art and, and there's crafts and there's, um, there's even wine tasting if, you know, and so there's indoor events and there's outdoor events. So it's not all about, you know, embracing the cold and the snow and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and, and this weekend they're, they're having a carnival, and um and and as i said they're they're doing a community art project and so basically the community art project they they've already chosen what what project they're going to do so they basically want people to come and and help um you know um do the drawing or put put the project together as a community so i think that is a real community builder and so it does attract a lot of uh, individuals and it's all about family and community so i think it's great mm-hmm. what a what a wonderful thing in the winter time where a lot of people feel a little sluggish but you may not be necessarily an outdoor winter person so there's a variety here to do uh let's go ahead and jump into your second item because you've got a lot up here for us and i think this is going to take a little bit a little bit of explanation uh update please the uh nbcc call for participation Yes, uh, during my last uh, report, I had mentioned that the New Brunswick Community College was uh, looking for persons with disabilities or caretakers of persons with disabilities to come and participate in a survey and uh, interviews and so on regarding um, persons with disabilities, access issues uh, and barriers because um, the, the there's a study that... Um, that the government of Canada is actually um, putting forth to try, to try and remove the barriers and fill in the gaps um, and come up with solutions for for this. So, 
my update um, for this is that um, if you are interested in participating, um, they have extended the registration to participate until the end of February because I think uh, the deadline was January 26th, and so they've made it till the end of February. So I know when I spoke to the organizers and the interviewers, they were really excited about the project. They really want to um, to speak to persons with disabilities and caretakers. So that way there they can get a good grip on, on the barriers and, and what they can do to, um, to bring back the information to the government so they can implement the standards and, and the regulations and everything moving forward to remove those barriers. One of the other things that uh, that they've mentioned um, when I was doing my interview, he had like I had brought up some some different barriers and so forth, and they'd said, you know, we think that uh, we will actually do some focus groups regarding uh, some of what you said. So. Uh, this isn't just going to be like one survey and and you're not going to have an opportunity to participate again. You there there will be some focus groups and and things like that on on different uh, topics that that seem to be a commonality or a real barrier. Yeah, excellent. Um, Marisa, I, since you've done it and before we leave this topic, I'm kind of curious. I mean, extensions like this are often difficult because there's the government or people waiting on results, the people who you have doing it, maybe grant money has to be spent, whatever it is that makes it possible. But as you did it, can you see it being overwhelming if they were to get a flood of people and maybe they're happy with that, need the extension, or or people themselves to get on board? Are we kind of so hesitant because we always get worried about process? Well, if I take part, how much time, how difficult, how many hoops to jump through? What was your impression? My impression was they seemed to be so open and they really wanted to hear and get the feedback. Um, and I know that they were very excited about the project. And I didn't feel like there there was any rush because uh, I had made mention about actually the, the deadline being January, I think it was 26th. Uh, that it was so close and that there was, you know, little time to register and participate. But they were like, um, no, we, we, we've already discussed it. We're going to extend that deadline. And so I that that had really excited me. And then um, also they had uh, sent me back my my responses because I did a, a instead of just doing a survey online or whatever, I had um, did an actual interview and they had sent my interview answers and responses and said that if I had any other uh, responses or wanted to add anything that I might have forgotten to go ahead and 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 um, and insert them. So, yeah, I felt that uh, there was no real rush. I mean, it is a three year uh, project that they're doing. So I, I think that uh, that they're starting off on a good foot. Marisa, we want to get to the show uh, called Sounds of Cape Britain with Heather Rankin. Um, this sounds really nice and it's musical. Yes. And uh, and so this really excites me because I've, I've always loved the Rankin family and and their music and and Gaelic music and and so forth. So um, Heather Rankin is actually going to be doing an Atlantic or Maritime tour 
and um, she's going to be in Moncton. Now, she's been, um, I believe, in the Miramichi already, and she has some other events going on uh, in Nova Scotia and so forth. But she is going to be in Moncton on February 16th, on Friday. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to to hearing this and, and going to this because it's it sounds so exciting. And and as I said, I I love it. And she's going to, like there's always uh, stories about Cape Breton and, um, you know, and, and her roots and uh, of growing up within the songs, but also, you know, as she shares um, her story. So anyway, that's exciting. And that's going to be held at the um, Riverview Art Center. So if you have any questions or um, you want to buy a ticket, I do know that there's a price and, and I had uh, forgot to uh, include that in my report. So I can't remember what mm -hmm. the price was, but uh, if you go to um, or check it into the Riverview Art Center, you should be able to get all that information. I know it wasn't a, a large amount of money to buy a ticket, so I think it's a great uh, great opportunity to hear Heather Rankin. And I was really excited to hear that uh, Molly uh, Rankin um, was at least nominated for a um, a Grammy. Oh, very lovely. Wow. Oh, that is wow. great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, Marisa, thank you for covering uh, all these subjects and uh, for giving us a scoop on what's going on in New Brunswick. Have a good one, and we'll talk to you in March. All right, you take care. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. Marisa Hersey-Meisner, she's our community reporter in St. John, New Brunswick, who joins us once a month. And we do check in with community reporters all across the country on the show. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. And ahead, folks, what are some good things to know about using a credit card? Ryan Chin, he's here. He's here with his monthly finance chat. He'll dive into that conversation after this. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Welcome back to the program. Thanks for being with us wherever you are. Always nice to have you on board. Ramya Muthan, she's over there. Kelly McDonald over here. And you out there. Thanks a lot, folks. New uh, holiday today. New Just holiday. Not a, it's not a stat, though. You're not going to be that <laughs> excited Kelly about holiday. it. This is, this is a new one, right? It's, it's for things that happen twice. What? February 7th. Twice today. Ryan Chin will be on uh, AMI TV. Oh, that was the lead up. Yeah, yep. Yeah, this guy was on the morning show. Double and Dipper. And now he's over here today. At Double Dipper. Maybe we call Different it. Uh, it's Double Chin Day. That's what we'll have to call it. Uh, it's time to shine a light on finance finances with Ryan Bradley Chin, certified financial planner at Sun Life Financial. It's Ryan Chin. I'm a certified financial planner. Listen in as I talk money with Kelly and Rumya, where we will explore the world of finance. From navigating RDSP savings to retirement planning, I'll help you design a roadmap for tomorrow. Double Dipper Rumya makes you sound like one of these returned donuts from Tim Hortons. Oh, it's classics. I really <laughs> just wanted a double chocolate dip donut since yesterday. No, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I like the, uh, the walnut crunch, eh, Rye? Well, I, or or the duchy. 
Oh no. yeah, you like the Dutchies, eh? No, that I mean, the one I'm with the raisins in it. Though. That's the one with the raisins oh. in it. It's kind of healthy a little bit. I, way, way healthy. Currants? Oh, no, I currants, love how he not raisins. That one. Currants. Yeah, serious? Currant, right? Uh, I don't know. It's the same yeah. thing. Rum, rum, you don't like currant, right? Either. It would like be all in the same fruit. family. It's all, yeah. Cranberries is the oh. most I'll do. Anyways, this is not finance at all. Raisins too, right? Oh, you don't know that. Yeah. He might be talking about buying <laughs> raisins with your credit card. Leave him alone. <laughs> okay. um, it. But it. it's nice to have you back on the network again today. Nobody's tired of you yet today. Well, even though it's oh, well you know, I'm glad that you took in my episode this morning, though, Cal. <laughs> Life insurance. Shout out. I, I, I read that you were going to be on, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a chance to see it. I read it yesterday. Yeah, okay. I, you know, that's why I was saying it's double chin day. Um, well, well I, I, that's why I had to spread out the topics. I didn't want you to have to you know, deal with the same. You didn't want us whining. All right, I'm being plural. You didn't want oh, Kelly yeah. whining and say, why the heck are you talking the same on both shows? Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, Sir, yeah. That would be some... double dipping. That's yeah. Re... it's no, double no. dipping we, regardless. We guys. would call it we would call it repurposing, right? You and I are okay. no, no, right. I, like I, like I like it. What are some good things, Ryan, that know about using a credit card? So, Kelly, I mean, a credit card is it, it's an ama- it's an amazing invention. And actually, funny enough, I was listening to the radio this morning and they said, you know, who's has have you swapped out your physical currency for digital currency and mm. when we think about credit cards yep. digital currency mm-hmm. right mm. but anyways i mean lots of great things about a credit card having a credit card i mean you don't have to carry cash around uh you know if you know that you know you want a per- to purchase an item it's an easy way to just tap and go um you, you know, for us, you know, personal, uh, folks uh, with vision impairment, um, you know, we don't have to worry. You know, am I giving this person a 10 or a 20 or a 5? Or, you know, I know we all fold our money in different ways for different markings, but just that ease of comfort knowing that bank tap, it's only going to charge what you need to. You don't have to carry around change in your pocket. So, you know, credit cards are quite handy, helps build up your credit score in other ways as well. And it's a good budgeting tool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of management we can get into when it comes to credit cards, like uh, how to use them properly, where to draw your boundaries, how not to get into a rabbit hole of terrible spending, right? There's good and bad, I guess. Um, Is there anything else you want to mention? Like one thing that I can think of is when you're traveling and such, like, you know, detailed examples but when you're traveling and such instead of having money being taken out of your Mm. direct account right your your own personal bank accounts and such you can have this kind of a safety net i guess of a credit card i mean yeah i mean if you run into a difficulty you're you're in a in a you're traveling you're in a situation i mean it could be anywhere you're in a situation you you need access to cash right away boom you've got that credit card you can you can float that payment for a little bit of time until you really need to repay it at the end of the month Uh one thing about traveling with a credit card so very important to understand about currency exchange uh using a credit card um when you ring up that card if you're in the United States, uh, sometimes there's a conversion fee. Um, yeah. and That's that what conversion- I dealt with uh, last summer when I was down in Georgia, right? Before I went down, the bank kind of apprised me of that versus using debit versus bringing cash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in many cases, it is cheaper to, 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 to convert that cash before you go or use traveler's checks. Um, because when you withdraw that money, um, 
using a credit card in the, you know in another currency yeah you get that con conversion charge you also get the charge of the uh rate of that yep. day so if if hypothetically yeah you were in georgia and a u.s dollar uh, u.s currency happened to be greater that day than the day before then you know you're paying a little bit more for that uh purchase than you may may have expected mm -hmm. okay what i loved is building the my credit rating. As a kid, it was so frustrating because I thought, I, I remember saying to my dad, I want a credit card. I want a credit card. I remember going to, to the bank, getting this credit card, but having to operate it as a kid with you put the money on it and then use it and do that for six months where you put the money on it, use it, and that establishes you're going to put that money back on it. Even And the bank has no concerns, the credit card lender, no concerns because it's your money. Well, we it's part of the habit building of having this kind of a tool as well. That's Sorry, right? A habit is the best way, Rye, yeah. right? Yeah, no no question about it. And let's let's kind of think about this. So like from a from a credit card company point of view, they want you to rack up debt. Obviously. Oh, they certainly. want you to, to to use that credit card as much as you possibly can because they want that interest. Mm -hmm. earning right you know and that's why interest rates are typically in and around that 19 or you know 16 percent brutal um something you really need to pay attention to um is that interest is earned daily on the amount so even if you say well i only so if you rung up let's say you rung up a hundred dollars on your credit card and then um and then uh, in that and and your billing cycle is sort of mid month and you only pay off that $100 but then during between the time of ringing up that $100 and the next ring up uh, you put another 50 bucks on well you're still paying interest on the full value so you have to be careful you have to always make sure when you're paying off that card if you can if you're able to you want to pay current balance versus last balance uh, and that's something right. pretty important because you're still going to be paying interest on the last balance if you didn't pay it off in the first place um, and then certainly to your point Kel um, when you're thinking about uh, you know uh, prepaid cards are wonderful uh, because you can as you say, put that money on there you've got it's a great budgeting tool you can put that money on there once that card is empty don't put any more on or, or you can re-add money, but that you've spent your allotment of that yeah. particular budget for the for that time being when it's a super budgeting tool. Yes. Well, let's talk about some of the cons and the gotchas around credit cards as well, because um, I, I think that a lot of us really are negligent of the fine print or we've done it for so long. We are kind of outdated on the information mm -hmm. that we remember or took in when we got credit cards yeah, yeah for sure and i mean i mean the, the biggest negative and i think this is a pretty obvious one the ease and convenience mm -hmm. you know like yeah i, I want to buy i want to you know uber luncheon and i want to have uh you know maybe i'll pick up this cake on the way home or maybe i'll you know stop in and get some pop and chips and so like that ease and convenience you can just keep tapping away and you know keep ringing up uh keep ringing up those charges and and you know you're not really physically interacting with cash so you're not reaching into your pocket and seeing oh do i have do i actually have this kind of money available to me so it's very easy to 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 ring up 
a larger debt than you actually uh, can afford because of that ease and convenience. Some of the other cons around credit cards are, um, you know, some of those hidden fees, uh, like I just mentioned, uh, with respect to uh, taking out money uh, in another country and or um, some credit cards actually, you know, uh, with those points, um, you may be paying more for the for uh, to have that card or maintain that card then you're actually benefiting from those points and we can get down a little deeper in that later um and then of course uh another con of having that credit card is if you get into deep now it's going to affect your credit score mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that's, that's so easy to get tripped up on go ahead i'm sorry I was just curious about the credit score, but I guess we're going to get into it because this is one of the things I was pointing to when I said outdated information. Like, is the credit score what we remember it to be? Like, when I had first gotten my credit card, which was, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, you know? Like, is it the same thing? Yeah, so, I mean... Of course, the reliance on a credit score is a little bit different, and there are lots of different, you know, points of view on this. Uh, and you could go into your bank, like you could go to your online banking, and it, it has a way to check your credit score. Um, and, and you know, how reliable is that versus your actual credit score? And I mean, there are there are subscription uh, programs that you can subscribe to to actually get your true credit score um you know uh they are fairly reliable and and when your score is and it ranges from about you know 300 points all the way up to north of 800 um you know anywhere from around three to 500 would be sort of a, a poor ish score uh an average would be sort of that five and change to roughly 650 ish that's sort of what they would consider as an okay score, a good score, sort of anywhere from that six to seven and change, and then excellent is, is anything north of seven. So, um, you know, how do you maintain or, or, you know, how do you get that north of seven? Well, you know, you keep paying your bills on time, you uh, keep your credit card uh, uh, volume low, you, uh, you, you know, you never default on anything, and that will... Um, you know, consequently bump up your credit score. Anytime you have a missed payment or uh, an NSF on your bank account or any uh, defaults of any kind, whether, you know, you didn't pay your mortgage or wasn't able to pay a, 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 a you know, a phone bill or something and, and right. uh, that persisted for some time, that would affect your credit, start to chip away at your credit score. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you want to, you can build it back up. You can the problem is, is you lose that. Like, so if you miss two, three payments for your phone bill, Long that's going to knock down your score pretty quick, yeah. but it does take time to rebuild your credit score. That's so it's the not thing. overnight. Yeah. No. Yeah. And you have to do things to build that. Plus if you apply for line of credit or something else, Ryan, I know a lot of time they look at your, the risk. Uh, yeah. Are you able to pay this off or do you have a property or something that if you were to run up a huge credit card or or line of credit, well, what can we get from you? What can what can you yeah. own that can reflect and, 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 on and actually you might even have a good a record. Card. Yeah, yeah. And actually a, yeah. applying for a credit card, they do what they call a soft 
touch to your credit score. And, and similarly for a line of credit, a, a harder touch would be uh, a mortgage app mm -hmm. or something like that. But uh, those soft touches do um, um, chip a little at your credit score. Uh, so then if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you apply for multiple credit cards in one year, that would yeah. erode a little oh. bit of that. Uh, Regardless of whether you get approved or not. Like it's just the Absolutely. fact that you're at, uh, applying yeah. for a loan. You're applying yeah. it out there. Wow. Uh, Pal, yeah. what else should we know before we wrap with you? Well, I think, I think what's important, yeah, what I think what's important, I mean, ultimately is you've got to find a card that fits your personality and your situation. If you like to travel a lot, you know, sure, by all means, look for a card that may have some buildup of travel points. You know, if you're uh, consistently shopping at one particular venue, like, you know, if you're, a, 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 you know, a, a, like, like those particular grocery store or grocery store chain, they often have different cars that you can use. So, you know, find the one that fits you. If it's strictly cash back and you don't want a fee, use that one. Double check, you know, if you have uh, uh, different types of insurances covered under your card, um, you know, maybe you don't need to buy trip interruption insurance because it's already built into your card. So mm -hmm. read your statements, read your cards, understand what you've got. You are paying a fee in many cases. So, Know what you're paying for. Why not use it? What about the cyber? What what concerns do we have these days, credit cards with cyber theft and any of the things that compromise yeah. it? Yeah, great, great question, Cal. And and this is, I mean, so predominant out there. You know, you're, you, you know, you can type in your your credit card and purchase things online. You know, make sure that you know you're not just giving your credit card numbers just out to anyone willy nilly. Uh, if you see a great deal on Instagram or on the, on the Twitter or one of these things, you know what? Rather than you don't have to necessarily click from that link. Go back to the home page of that particular venue. Uh, um, you know, whether whatever the, the 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 shopping center it is, go to their website. Find the deal on their website because there are so many cyber scams out there. People can make these uh, 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 you know social media um, uh, what, what, what you know dragnets basically and and just yeah. pull you in and then all of a sudden now you're giving them your all your personal information and your credit card and then boom next thing you know you, they're ringing up uh, a trip to somewhere that you would never go mm. good man thank you now i know ryan you're tired out two hits today on our network so we'll let you go rest pal <laughs> thanks a lot appreciate it maybe i'll stop in for a timmy's on get the way home. make right. sure you get your duchy they're yeah. back for only <laughs> knows how long for the holiday. Uh-huh. Thanks, pal. <laughs> we'll talk to you next month. Take care. Double, it's uh, Double Chin Day, uh, and he's going to go enjoy his duchy, that Ryan Chin, with us. Uh, folks, please check out Ryan Chin and Becky Armstrong on Eyes on Your Money, the AMI original podcast. To reach Ryan directly, you can send an email to ryan.chin at sunlife.com. Up next, folks, question for you. Who's changing jobs out there? Mike French, he joins us to tell us why. What's going on there as our Robert Half update begins in two minutes. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute.
Well, the conversations just keep coming your way, ladies and gentlemen. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern on AMI-tv Cross Canada. And over on AMI-audio, we kick the show off at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Whenever you get a moment or two, check us out, please. Glad to have you with us. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Let's get into our monthly conversations with Robert Half Canada. We... Um love these because we talk about the latest patterns and trends in employment uh, prospects for job turnover for example are high right now so we got this kind of conversation coming your way and mike french is here he's back because we haven't talked to you in a bit mike how are you i'm great thanks for having me on Lovely to have you on. Um, I'm so curious because every month we talk to you, there's, first of all, a different angle that we cover in terms of employment uh, around Canada, trends and such, and things that you guys find out based on the studies and stats you put together. What's the driving motivator behind why people might change jobs? We're talking turnover. So here's the good thing. The churn we've talked about for the last number of years, the great resignation, that really has, I don't say it's come to an end, but it is much lower than it was two years ago. So we're not seeing the churn that we saw in, in prior conversations in prior years. But we still see the number one reason why people are talking about changing roles is money. They are looking for a bigger salary. And you know, we're still paying more every every month. We seem to be paying more for all the things that we buy in the grocery store and our rents are going up and our mortgages are going up. So money still is important. And the other thing now, this is a new one cropping up again. People are now looking for more promotions. They're looking for more advancement. Now, we hadn't seen that for a while. I think companies mm. sort of stopped having that conversation during COVID, nothing to talk about. This number two now, back up there at sort of 32%. People want to be promoted. And you know what? The usual now, better perks and benefits and um, a job with flexibility. That is still showing up there as a sort of one-third of the people saying, I want more flexibility. So there's it's, it's the usual money and promotions showing up as number one and two. I find it interesting, Michael, because... It seemed to be through the pandemic, we talked, and, and we've talked with you about this, that people did a lot of self-improvement, worked on skills, worked on things, or looked around and made themselves more aware. And I think when you're complacent, you're working at a place, you sometimes don't know what else is out there, what other opportunities, what other like jobs you could you can get. I felt like coming out of the pandemic, there was a level of, hey, I know more. I'm armed a little better. I'm a little more confident in myself because I've either taken a course on the side or two or three or 12, or I just know more. Do you think that kind of is what was going on and now as we see it sort of slide back a little bit, be a little more the traditional, I'd like better pay, but I still would like to think about where my best chance to improve is, is now normalizing it, it more. I mean, it's really was a strange field there for a while post-pandemic. Well, Kelly, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's a building block. Over the pandemic, yeah. people improved their skills, took some courses, but really did some self-reflection. What are they looking for? Some people were saying, enough of the rat race, I want something different. But now yeah. we're seeing a bit more of the usual money, promotions, and companies now, you know, we, we're, we're, my goodness, it's 2024. Like it's, COVID was four years ago. That's almost half a decade ago. It's like, we talk about turning the clock back. Uh, we've come a long way. And we're back down to a bit more of a, what I would say is a normal, traditional sort of job search and job market. But we're still hearing a lot of talk about flexibility. Not so much work from home or wearing in a sit, but what does flexibility look like? 
And that's mm. always now a big conversation. So what does that mean? So less of the geography of where I sit, but more of what does flexibility mean to me and to my employer? So people want flexibility. A couple of things that are really interesting. We talked about sort of who is looking to make those moves? Who are the most motivated people to, to make those moves? This one surprised me. Coming through uh, HR was very high saying, it's time for a change. Now, these people have been through a lot. They've been through dealing with people with COVID, working on maybe some downsizing, now some hiring, and then back to work, back to the office policy. So they've had a lot of on their plate. They're looking to make a move. And then we have, uh, not surprising, Gen Z's marketing creative people. As the economy starts sort of going through some, maybe some growth again, we're talking about maybe some rates coming down and uh, no recession. Maybe it's going to be a bit more of a, just a very soft landing and take off again. Marketing creative people taking off. And then the cohort of millennials saying, I want to change. They've been working now for three or four years, and it's ready for them to have a promotion. So back to that old promotion time again. That word keeps popping up. Back to promotions. Wow. It's really interesting, Michael, when you look at all that in the circle. And I guess that's kind of the way our world works. Any other factors that are going to convince somebody to say, I'm, I'm out. I want to go to another job. Well, not so you go for a job, but this is what really surprised me. We asked people, what's making you stay in your current job? And this ah. came through, this came through, I love these. So the highest rate was their people are very happy with their current level of flexibility and they don't want to lose it. Number two was they feel fulfilled in their current role. And number three, they feel that they are compensated well for their work. So the three things that you really wanted to hear, we had come through loud and clear in the survey. So a lot of people out there are very happy. I love it. I love that. It's so wonderful when you find that people are in that position because, you know, the old saying, you're lucky if you enjoy your job enough or find that job uh, that you want to stay in. So with all that going on and us going talking so much about cost of living these days, how has that influenced the inflation and what job optimism is there out there, especially with so much some would say working against us, making us really fight for ourselves. You know, I, I'm not an economist, but we, we keep hearing of inflation coming down and coming down. I know sometimes fuel is higher, sometimes gas is cheaper, sometimes you go to the grocery store and eggs and tomatoes cost more. But there are a number of things that are driving it, and salary is number one, and what we spend every day. I heard a stat say that people were spending more on their life and less on their savings and their retirement. I know you just had um, Mr. Chin on. It's, that, that's what we're dealing with every single day. People are now struggling with their everyday, but hopefully, hopefully as we see salaries continue to rise a little bit, that, that will come to an end. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like, I'm curious about, because we've talked about this kind of in a general sense, if you have any opinions on industry or, I guess, uh, trends and facts about the industries and demographics, who is seeing the most turnover? So I don't say have the turnover on that, but what we know mm. is that we know that the Gen Zs and Millennials, they are right now the most active in the job market. Um, but they've also been sort of the newest in the job market. So they're looking for promotions. And then as you go up with the um, Gen Xers and the boomers, you know, boomers are, are on their way out. They're looking for retirement. So it really does follow as cohorts as you expect. Um, the Gen Zs, millennials, Xers, and the boomers are in that order. Okay. 
And that's not necessarily surprising, right, based on all the uh, kinds of conversations we've had in the last year or so with you and Robert Half? Yeah, we sort of expect that. You know, there's each demographic has sort of characteristics. You know, what boomer stuck around each employer forever. That was sort of the yeah. maybe they had two two careers or two jobs in their career. I'm a Gen Xer. I've had this is my third place I've I've worked. So I've been here for 22 years. It's been a long time. I'm not looking to make a change, but I doubt you'll see many millennials and Gen Z spend 20 years at one place. And I think we're okay with that. I don't think they want to do that either. They're looking for something different. And employers know that. We're going to see now more employers bringing people on for the skills they have, for projects, for two or three year sort of secondments, and off they go somewhere else. And I think that's going to suit them very, very well, where it wouldn't have suited me. Yeah. It's interesting because, as you say, like the trends as they shift, employers have to shift the the. Um, incentives, I guess, right? Like it used to be, you know, long-term meant this is what you get for retirement or these are the benefits, but the benefits were kind of uh, the package deal that you get by the end of the time that you served with this company. Whereas now we're saying, hey, I want three, four weeks of vacation when I come in here. You know, it's not necessarily about this um, understanding that I'm going to spend 10 years here or 12 years here or 50 years here. I think now we have a bit of a balance beam between I'm looking for some stability, but I want some adventure. Yeah. When you look at and the boomers. And flexibility for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the boomers, they want stability because their parents has stability and it worked for them. Where now we're saying, oh my goodness, I couldn't do that same job for 30 years at the same place with the same people. I want to be able to see the world. I want to do something different. I want my skills to change. So this generation, remember we talk about the millennials or the Xers, they're looking, or the Gen Zers, they're looking for a bit more of adventure mixed mm. in with their career. And you know what, really, we are in a global workplace. You can go anywhere in the world now yep. and do your job. People uh -huh. want you all over. This wasn't available. You know, it wasn't available to me 35 years ago or, or my parents. Yeah. So it's something yeah. new. And, you know, and we all struggle thinking, oh, like, what would I do in that scenario? I think we, um, we don't regret the risks we take and the adventures we had. Sometimes we regret the fact that we, we took it easy or, or we, took the, we took the secure path. Mm -hmm. So you know what? Yes, the yes. world's there for them to do what they want with. Well, what I appreciate yeah, well, is that we are having so many more transparent conversations about this, right? Like not just, you know, you with your colleagues, but you go on LinkedIn and people are very uh, candid about their side gigs, their contract jobs, you know, their freelance work, it, um, along with what they're doing full-time. It's just so known, and you don't necessarily have to hide these things anymore. You can't necessarily hide anything. Well, you think about it. Back in the 20 years, it was called moonlighting. Mm. Now it's just, right. called, now right. just called my career. You see yep. a lot of big companies, too, where maybe you will land somewhere for 20 years, but they know that if they don't transfer you overseas or, or a stint in South America or a stint in the U.S. on the West Coast, they know they're going to lose you. Yep. So now big companies are also making sure they have a package for you. If you are going to stay around for 20 years like me, that they have a place to send you so that keep you engaged and keep your skills sharp. My goodness, think of spending somewhere 30 years, but managed to get you to every continent to have a stint there. 
that sounds amazing. Yeah. 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 And, and it really is when you think about what kinds of things are the, what we used to always say, those perks that were there, because I'll say to you, Michael, I think there's so much more open-mindedness about whether it's the work from home, work from this location, moving people on if, they, if they're willing to, uh, if they want to, or uh, giving someone a job somewhere else in the world to your company, um, even as much as, I mean, I'd argue that be just before the pandemic, we were just starting to trust and open up to that. But we see a lot of the tech field out there where jobs are turning over. Where are we seeing that the most, where this is a lot of layoffs, people going places, getting dropped, because positions, new positions are being required. So there's that huge change over there. Is that still where we'd say, where we want to say jobs are lost, jobs are being you know created, and people are being hired? Is that what we're seeing at the most, would you say, in this new world? Yeah, you know, tech has always been, um, I, I don't say high turnover, because there are lots of opportunities for people in tech, but it changes really fast. I don't yeah. think a year ago, we even mentioned AI to each other and in the last six months, it's come up in every time that we've spoken. We now yeah. have companies saying, I'm looking for somebody who has at least some experience in AI. Mm -hmm. Well, that would mean probably someone just graduated who maybe has played with one of these chats or, or like chat GPT and, and figured something out. There was no skill that in this a year ago, unless you're maybe hiring one of these um, people, these programmers from one of the tech universities. But now we're seeing client saying, I need a, I need a, a very senior admin who's got experience with, you know, at chat GPT. Well, unfortunately that didn't exist six months ago. So right. it's somebody who on their own has taken some initiative. So, you know what, when we talk about tech, it changes fast. Companies adopt new tech. They're always moving along. Like Microsoft has something new for us to learn every single <laughs> month, it seems like. Yeah. So they're staying on top of their technology and their training, but there are lots of opportunities. They're one of the first groups who maybe as we talk about losing, but maybe it's not losing. Maybe it's just changing where they're going That's to spend it. their time, and it's a new challenge, new opportunity. I, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, I don't think. I don't think there is going to be anything negative there. And you know, we talk about sort of the AI and generative AI. It's going to create a lot of great opportunities. It's going to remove probably some lower very monotonous jobs that right now are hard to fill, but create some outstanding career paths for maybe people who are in school today to be the programmers of these things. So parents shouldn't worry about, will there be jobs for my kids in five, 10 years? Will AI take them away? I say they're gonna create great careers versus maybe monotonous jobs. Yeah, yeah. no, that's yeah. totally Re fair. Reallocating, right? Resources, mm. yep. and human resources. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. it's, it's interesting to see that learning curve switch up, uh, you know, so drastically in terms of new technology as well. And and think it used to be just seniority and priority for people who have done this for so long. And now it's like, hey, who can adopt the fastest? Because we need to move things as they they move around us. Thank you so much, Mike. This is awesome. I love being on with you guys. Thank you. Have a great day. Michael French from Robert Half Canada. You can tune into these employment chats uh, once a month on the show. And we step aside for a moment, folks, but we shall be back to check out what's going on. On the next edition of Now with Dave Brown, we'll tell you a little bit about our show for tomorrow. And hark, are the security alarms picking up human, alien, or animal movement? We'll talk about it after this on our closing moment. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break.
Remember to check us out via the podcast feed of your preference, ladies and gentlemen. I guess really your podcast platform. Find our feed, Kelly and Rumya Podcast, and enjoy the show in segment form or the complete Kelly and Rumya Podcast experience. We throw on an audio vanity card. You can just hit play and enjoy the show while doing a few other things around, and we'll ride along with you when you when you do that. That's our podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. Hey, guys, while you're in there, maybe give us a rating and review if you have a couple of moments. We'd appreciate it. And then subscribe to Now with Day Brown. The gang over there also has a podcast set up much the same way. Uh, they have a show weekdays, 9 in the morning till 11 Eastern time. And Ramya has a rundown on what they have for tomorrow's show. I do. The deadline for RRSP, that's our Registered Retirement Savings Plan contributions, is in a few weeks. Uh, that should be on your radar. Aaron Broverman, lead editor at Forbes Advisor, will discuss... Why investors are using loans um, for savings now for bigger returns later. Also, it's election year in the United States, of course, and Marco Flala from Access Tech Live is going to tell us about the strategy that Meta, out of all platforms, will use to combat misinformation during the presidential campaign. Okay, then. The Toronto Black Film Festival is coming next week, and we're going to be speaking with the organizers about some of the films that are be uh, shown by we, I mean them, on Now with Dave Brown, 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-TV Live, and then catch it on your favorite podcast platform. We'll tell you a little bit about our show uh, in a little bit. Uh, catch uh, Now with Dave Brown weekdays on AMI-TV. Folks, we've got a closing moment for you. And, and Rum, when, when I read this, I kind of want to think about when you're a police officer, you run to a call, the alarms have gone off, we always hear you have no idea what you're going to encounter. And this is from Fox 4, Kansas City, a squatting squirrel. Oh. Liberty police were spooked on an intrusion call. So again, I imagine alarm going off. You go to this house. Now, this sneaky squirrel spooked a police officer during this uh, call. Uh, this was near the end of January. Um, they also, the Missouri Police Department, the Liberty Police Department, did post this online so people can't go and check this thing out if they'd like to. It's pretty humorous. It's body cam uh, footage. Uh, uh, they were called on January 27th to a suspected home intrusion that was going on. They could hear noises from inside when they arrived. The noises continued once they entered, and an officer can be seen in, in the footage with his gun drawn while another is standing behind a wall trying to figure out what the heck the noise is. That's when the officer with the gun pointed down the hall as he discovered and saw what the noise was. Oh, it's right there, he said. It's a squirrel, he said. <laughs> with the gun still drawn, he walked down the hallway to an open door where the squirrel was squatting. The squirrel ran towards the entrance, spooking the cop, who let out a loud yell and shuffled his feet backwards. The animal, of course, scurried back into the room. The officer closed the door, laughed, and let out a few expletives. That's why I'm not so sure there's actually sound on this video. Uh, but anyway, uh, he also admitted, man, that's what scared the heck out of me, that squirrel. So the police later on the end of the video, put a wanted sign with Rocky the Squirrel's picture <laughs> at the end of that video for folks, adding approach with extreme caution at the bottom. Aww. So do you ever think about this? Like how many times you've walked either into home or whatever and you hear something and you wonder, what the heck is that? Uh, is something yeah. for someone? Sometimes it's just my house making noises. Seriously? Freak. Like 
creak. Yeah, the creaking and the expanding and the contracting. But also, I, the skeptical side of me is thinking, what if the squirrel was just a decoy and we didn't oh, get to the source, the yeah. proper invasion? I don't know. Well, and if they radioed back saying, ah, it's just a squirrel, call all units, turn them that world, a punk. Exactly. Cops get knocked out by, as yeah, you say, yeah. the thieves that in were really the in movies. there. Distracted squirrel home alone. Yeah. All I actually over, prefer that right? as a squirrel than a raccoon or any of that stuff. Skunk. Oh, gosh. It's going to be squirrels. pretty traumatic for the Yeah, but squirrels can wreck your place too and they run up and down. Because I think it would startle me haters. too. They're so bushy Ooh. and adorable. Yeah. I guess so. Ask your dog if he'd cuddle one. Nah. Not likely. Nah. Oh, because we've got another show for you tomorrow starting at 2 p.m. Uh, what is attachment theory and what might it mean for our relationships? Fern Lullum explains on the program. Marcus McCracken on our accessible gaming segment is talking to us about Blast of Us, the uh, remastered version for the PS5 and what he likes and doesn't like. We'll see you tomorrow beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern. We're waving at you, folks. Have a wonderful day. It is beautiful technology, and there's so many things that allows us to do just sitting here. Boom, in comes an email asking a question. Click, answer it. Boom, another. Click, I need to get some research. Open another page, as we were joking the other day with John Beeler about how many pages he has open on his computer. But sometimes, stuff is sent, people think you got it, you don't know you were supposed to get it, and recently I had one of those holdups, and it wasn't just me other people at the company, but we had some activity we have to complete um, when it comes to security and stuff like that, you know, those online uh, tests and things like that to make sure you know. And unfortunately, I didn't get it. A few others didn't get it. But of course, the thought is we got it, taking our time with everything else people have to do. You don't want to bug people and say, hey, get that done, get that done. Um, but these things have to get done. So as much as technology is our friend, and helps us get these things done, we become so relaxed about it. Oh, they got it. So assured of it. And it creates a problem to when you draw the attention of, hey, I never got this. What do you mean I have four days to get it done? Or whatever it might be. Oh, you better look into it. Okay, start with my junk. Nope. All right, where else could it have gone? Could I have just deleted it? Check in your deletes. Nope. Doesn't seem to be that I got it. And you inform, let them know, hey, I, I I didn't get it. Really? Now is the surprise. What? Was sent. What? How could you not get it? Check your junk. I did. I did. I did. So <laughs> we've been going around for the last couple of days. Finally got what I was supposed to. Wonderfully got an extension uh, to get it done. But it reminded me of how we are so complacent about knowing, feeling, Oh, I sent that. Why didn't they get back to me? What's going on here? Oh, I don't want to be a pest. And I was answering emails thinking the same thing about stuff that had been sent to me a week ago that I haven't responded to yet, that I haven't had a chance to check out because it required some attention. And I'm thinking, well, here I am. You know, we sit back so sure this went to the person. These people figure it went to me. And maybe they think, oh, I guess it didn't go over well. He's taking his time to check it out or mull it over. <laughs> Because that instantaneous response is there. You think about if someone's called about a job years ago, left a message on an answering machine, the pl place calling gave them maybe a day, assuming they were excited to get the potential job interview 
to be considered for this job. You don't get back to them in a day they're moving on. And and maybe they've already kind of lined up other people, but they know their plan. You don't get back. Now, send an email. Yes, we'd like to set up an interview with you. They're expecting that response in an hour, three hours, for sure by the end of the workday, right? Or first thing in the morning it to be there because that's just the way things are now. And if by chance it went into junk or you missed it, oh, pass, I guess they're not interested. Moving on. Scary a little bit because we get so complacent. I'm bad for not checking my junk on a regular basis. Got to break that habit. Just some thoughts to share. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.